The Kitchen is on Fire is sponsored by Drop. Drop is a wine delivery app that delivers awesome and expertly chosen wines to wherever you are in London in Zones 1 and 2, and a couple of other places. Same day. That means you could get your thirst on at tea time and have the wine with you by cocktail hour. You can also order extras, including ice-cold beer, snacky snacks, anchovies, cheese, and a Shetland pony. <laughs> okay, we made that last one up. Download Drop from the App Store from dropwine.co.uk and enter the promo code KITCHENONFIRE to get £10 off your first order. Forget the corner store. Use Drop. Yeah, it's raining. Fuck you. Because I nearly blew up Bermondsey Square. Yeah. Yeah, that was the worst night of my life. Got in the car and cried. But there's a guy on MasterChef who does look like Shipman. Is that? Yeah. <laughs> Born ready. Born to do it. Born to run. Let's not make the same mistake we USA. made last time. I'm trying not to. I'm just keeping very low profile. Just doing a lot of Born comments. Oh, that's happened with my chair. Born ultimatum. What's your favourite Born film? Um, not the not Born. Jason Born. Yeah, but in the trilogy, that one doesn't count. No, no, that's what I mean. Um, I really enjoyed all of them. I must say. I think they really stand up. They still do. They're yeah. still very good. Haven't seen them for a while, but... Moby at the end. Oh, I love a bit of that. <laughs> yeah, so exciting when you hear that siren call sound. You all right? I love Brian Cox, the actor, not the astrophysicist. Yeah, I don't like him. find him quite dated. Astrophysicist Brian Cox. Yes. Yeah, well, he's in uh, D-Ream, so... Yeah, but he doesn't even look like he's been in D-Ream. He looks like he should play bass in the stereophonics. Maybe he did. I'm not, you know, again, as we've discussed, it's not good to sit there and sort of stag off somebody's appearance. I mean, look at me. But... You look great. Um, you do, you, do you not like wearing glasses, then? Because you got across from me taking a photo of you in glasses. Yeah, no, I look dreadful. Abby says all the time, she goes, she could start calling me David Baddiel. Ah. She says, oh, David Baddiel. That's good. Um, How is uh, your lady wife? She's good, yeah. Because you went out on the town with her last night. We did, yeah. Yeah, we went to uh, Thomas Parry's. Tomos. Tomos. Is that mm-hmm. easy? Do you say it Tomos? Or is it Thomas? But just Welsh. Pass. I mean, it's spelt Tomos. Mm. And it sounds Welsh, I'd say Tomos, doesn't it? Tomos, yeah. Um, we went to Brat with uh, Katie, who used to work at Pigeon, and her husband, whose name is Pete. Um, And you said it was good slash great Which uh, listeners will know Coming from Sam That's basically you shat yourself with It was was really good actually To be That's me being mean Uh, It was really good I read that as very I read that as good Or very good And fucking good in parts Yeah It was was all good And there were There was a lot of it That was fucking great My The room's great um, the food is really nice. Um, it was surprisingly cheap. I was petrified. I thought, God, this is going to be expensive. And it was expensive, you know, but we had three bottles of wine. We had three desserts. We had some cocktails before we started. And to get out there for, what, 75 quid a head was, seemed like that's pretty bloody good value, I'd say. Um, so that was good. The We had the turbot. So I was absolutely psyched about having the turbot. And that was, I think, my one disappointment was the turbot was delicious, but it... Um, 
it didn't, didn't taste smoky enough. It didn't, yeah, it didn't. But the thing is, it didn't really have any sort of wood or smoke flavour, which, as you said, because you're super sensitive to smoky stuff, you said you wouldn't, oh, better that way than the other way. And I kind of would agree with you, but also it's like, it's cooked over wood. It's mm. the whole thing, you want a little bit of... A little um, bit of that magic. And it was absolutely delicious. Carbonic was cooked, magic. Cooked perfectly, but it was a bit of a... I was a bit like, mm. a bit of that would have been nice. What was the service like, Sam? To paint me a picture of the staff. What were they wearing? What was the staff their were, Staff were delightful. Uh, don't know what they were wearing, um, but they were delightful. Lovely. Very switched on. Uh, sort of super smooth service. Um, and recommended nice wine. And, yeah, we, we had... A, a, a whale of a time. I'm so glad to hear it. Yeah. Really, really, really delighted. Um, now, before you tell me about your Easter weekend, because I know listeners are very much on the edge of their proverbial seats, or actual seats, potentially. Yeah. Um, I thought, uh, just give a little flavour of what's coming up this week. I don't know if you've seen Groundhog Day. Uh, it's an incredibly offensive film in which a fucking pervy middle-aged... You are so woke! middle-aged newscaster pervs uses his weirdly found magic ability to be a even bigger perv than he was at the beginning but it's real it's a classic so it must be all right anyway this will feel like groundhog day if you listened to last week because yet again we've got adam coughlin coming on the show maybe he'll turn up this week maybe he won't he says he's on his push bike so, you know, the underground being out of action shouldn't affect it. We've got a lot of questions for him. We're really going to put his feet to the fire and uh, hear him squeal. Squeal. Um, so, and who is this coming in? It's Moves. Uh, hey, Moves. Um, it's not Adam. Uh, so, Easter, paint me a picture. Pascal stuff. Bye, Fly. Bye, Moves. And shut. Um, what? Do, uh, what? Pascal? Who's Pascal? Pascal. Pascal. Pertaining to Easter, like your Pascal lamb. Really? I've never heard that before. Pack. French for Easter. How is it? La Pasqua. Um, Pasquale. Easter. Uh, had a lovely meal at my in-laws. Um, Who cooks? Who's on the? Who's on, on the, the hots, hots over there? Uh, Ab's mum. Abs mum's on the hots. Um, we had he, some lamb. Uh, Dad was probably busy buying dead man's shoes, was he? Well, he or was trying them on. Trying them on, yeah. Selling them. Um, buying, what else does he do? Puzzles? He's on that Puzzler app. Puzzler. Well, no, he's, he's, it's a family day. Yeah, it was nice. Nice fat sort of family day. That's good. Yeah, um, Yeah. the big... Lamb? Big, big, lamb and, and some chicken, yeah. What is it with you and your I family? I know, it's insane. <laughs> lamb and a chicken. Just get big on the meat. Um, don't know. Don't know. But it was enjoyable. Enjoyed it very much. Then they played gin rummy for a long period of time. I don't know how to play gin rummy, so uh, I did. Is that one when you get five cards and you you got to get three of one and two of the other and uh, then you fall asleep? I don't know what it is, mate. Not a card player. Uh, no, but the bigger part of my weekend was uh, I had the newts round and Anthony Saturday night, big night, big night on the hots for me. What did what 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 what, what, what did you cook? Did you not follow my Instagram story? It was no, crazy. no, I very rarely look at the stories yeah. in general. I put it all on there. Oh, that's good of you. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's gone now, hasn't it? Yeah, it would have done. Um, I cooked uh, probably some of the nicest food I think I've ever cooked. That's nice. It was, I was, I was really pleased with myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was good. What was it? Uh, did some garlic breads with uh, burrata and sort of a spice blend thing, sort of state birdie kind of thing. 
Um, I did some meatballs in a sort of Asian-leaning marinara sauce. So it had some samjang in there, garlic, um, you know, a bit of spice in there, some chili crisp through it as well. Um, did some salad. Um, yeah, it was good. Cool. Yeah, enjoyed it. That's good. Um, um, yeah, it was fun. Drank, drank quite a lot of the wines. As is your want. Um, yeah, and just had a uh, had a great time with the guys. Just had some chats. You know, no chats. card games with them. No, no card games. Mm. No, but you know, just a lot of fun chats, discussions. Got in a bit of a barney with my wife. Sure. Again, as is your want. She started playing really bad music and I got quite crabby about it. Um, What what do you define as bad music? Music that I don't want to listen to. Like what? Um, Well, the thing is, it was fine. Like, it started off... I think it was a weird route from... This will show age, I guess, but from, like... It started off at Pavement, because Anthony loves Pavement. So they were... Ab and... I call them Sidewalk, but whatever. Yeah. Um, So they were listening to some Pavement. I'm like, yeah, that's fine. And then sort of from there, it got into some weird 90s thing, and then it was... Spice Girls. No, 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 but like sort of, you know, grunge sort of stuff or whatever. So I don't know, maybe they're just like Soundgarden or something, or Stones Temple Pilots. It was weird anyway. And I was like kind of on board with it, but also like I just wanted to listen to the Eamon Dunes record again, because I mean, I'm not going to lie to you, that had already gone round twice. Mm. So maybe everyone was just bored of Eamon Dunes. But... I was like, fine, when it makes sense of you having a conversation about it. But then it just turned out, and there was music being played that was, oh, Sixpence None the Richer got played. Can't argue that. Which you can't argue with that tune, but what you can argue Kiss with... Kiss Beneath the Milky Twilight yeah, in poetry. Yeah, stunning. But what you can argue with is any other song by Sixpence None the Richer. I couldn't and argue with it because Ab- I wouldn't know them. Ab was playing, like, B-sides by Sixpence None the Richer. I'm like, do we have to listen to this? And she's like, mm. it's fun. And I was like, it's not fun. It's mm. not fun for me. It's dreadful. Yeah. I'm but, sixpence the poorer yeah. as a result of this. Yeah. Did I, I we get were a testing bit that mic, but it's in number two. The guest mic. Yeah. Oh, so you're just going to see if there's a buzz on that. You're on this, is, this is definitely this staying in. This is fucking in. good. That's um, uh, Sixpence in the Yeah, so anyway, so that had sort of taken a down mm. downturn, and then it was ended up being music that you would listen to in Thursdays, which is the nightclub that now doesn't exist in Chichester which just plays like terrible like Agadoo kind of stuff Ooh. and I'm like what? why the fuck are we listening to this bit of irony there but anyway yeah it didn't go, didn't go down well yeah, um, imagine not. you know I probably sounded like a grumpy curmudgeon James <laughs> tell me about your Easter weekend well I was with the in-laws um, very nice I cooked the Easter meal the repast Sunday lunch you were on the hots on the hots and the colds and the cold larder oh you just did yeah. a variety just hot a, and cold foods yeah I mean I'm that kind of I'm the guy like the guy at Crown at Birchett's Green you know uh, I don't know who you are so I'm not going to pick that up um, Matthew no uh, yeah actually do you know what I sort of nailed it as well Sam I was yeah. very very pleased with the output uh, got pretty much a standing ovation at the table I mean it didn't actually but I could sense that so they wanted to my brother-in-law Stuart was was up for oh, Stu Stewpot Stewpot was up yeah, for a big fan d- of bit guy. of a standing ovation slow roasted lamb shoulder you know of course with some rouge made a sauce fan rouge a la moi I uh, had a little smoke, uh, wild garlic, almond, and lettuce sauce. Wild garlic, almond, lettuce. That sounds delicious. It was really good. Uh, it really does sound good. And just very simple buttered new potatoes, uh, braised leeks in white wine, 
Uh, really went to town. Roasted onions. Red onions, sure. Mm. People can go white, but I prefer red with thyme. And I forgot about them because I had to go on an expedition somewhere. And then oh, I had to go and buy beer. <laughs> Said to my father, I think I'm, we're going to need some beer this lunchtime. So off I went. Halfway there, Tom and my kid and I went on an expedition, so it was quite fun. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't drink the beer. Were you walking? On, in the car. Got in the car. Well, so you weren't walking? No. I just answered your question. No, but you went, you nodded and did walking with your fingers. Oh, did it? And said in the car. Didn't you went walking. <laughs> in the car. Walked to the car. Yeah. To the car, yeah, I'll allow that. Walked to the car. Okay. Got in the car. Yeah. Um, and then was in the shop practically paying and did that, oh, I forgot the onions. Right. Got back. They were perfect, Sam. They were just on that beautiful oniony cusp of, of caramelised and burnt when you, the flavours really coalesced to so something not, more than the sum of its one part. Did it have phones on this island? Yeah, but I was just like, I'll get home. Yeah. Rosie never picks up her phone. Oh, okay, right. Ever. Right. Drives me up the wall, because she's on it the whole time, but somehow never picks it up. And, yeah, so that was it. Anyway, happy days. I've got... Ah, uh, oh, James, I forgot. I got, sorry, I just need to go back. Mm. Maybe I'll cut me back into me earlier. Um, I did some really good food with the newts. You just told me all about it. I know, but I didn't. I forgot all the good dishes. Okay. I, did a tomato, well, I was wondering. It tomato salad with Thai basil, crispy onions, um, which was really nice. Onion rings, James, with pecorino and sashimi togarashi. I'm going to go as far as say onion rings are always worth the effort. Absolutely. Everyone fucking loves an onion ring. Yeah. And Calabrian sausage, lamachum. Ah. Stunning, Sam. Yeah. What makes that a lamachum and not a pizza? I don't know. Well, this, they were, it wasn't like a doughy base. It was like a... It was a... Uh, what's it called? Like a flatbread as opposed a to... A flatbread. Is that, is that the difference? I don't know. Yeah, pizza's a flatbread, isn't and it? And there there's not tomato sauce on the pizza, but then it was not a Bianca. Bianca. I mean, is a Lamajan just kind of pizza? Hmm. What's the difference between a Lamajan and a pide? Hmm. No, know, James, culture sound this segues beautifully into the Greg Wallace fiasco doesn't it which you said you wanted to talk about but then I've on a, and I said I wasn't going to read about it but you, can't, you couldn't avoid it if you're on Twitter yeah I don't understand what the big deal is he said something stupid because he's an idiot why is everyone up in arms so what happened after that was a bit weird and, and gross but there was there was uproar before any there was any response to it, it was right. like, you know it was sort of it's equivalent to him saying the fish in uh, uh, Boyer Base should be fried. I know it's, that's not what he yeah, said, okay. but it's like he just he just was ignorant of something. Oh, for sure. Then I don't understand why anyone's getting that word out because he's an idiot. But then John Turrode said something stupid about it and finished it with Namaste. That was a bit gross. Yeah, yeah. All of that I'm not defending, but there was already kind of people kicking off in a big way. The but I thought the thing that everyone seems to have missed in all of this is the. Um, guy who was God, uh, was he cooking Chinese? Was it a Chinese dish? And he actually said, was one of the contestants, he said, yeah, I'm taking sort of like traditional sort of like, you know, Chinese takeaway food and elevating it. Which is, that's the fucking shit that people say, which mm. is like, gross. It's you like know, posh kebab. Yeah, exactly, exactly that posh kebab thing. And that nobody said a word about that. And that, when that happened, I went... <laughs> Oh, this is a white dude saying that? Yes, this is a white right. dude, one of the contestants, saying that he was elevating yeah. Chinese food. So, yeah. And I just thought, that's the one that everyone's going to kick off about. And then 
Maybe that just got lost in the wash of um, Greg saying something stupid. But yeah, I don't know why anyone's surprised he said something fucking stupid. So man's a moron. Clearly, he's a complete moron. Uh, have I ever... You know, you maybe give you a week to think about this. If nothing leaps to your memory, thoughts, mm-hmm. brain, the thing in your head with your face, mouth, yeah. neck, on your neck, bone. Yeah. Um, it's really got in your head, that, hasn't it? Yeah, always. Um, have, has, has anything I've ever said about cooking or done in the kitchen uh, affected you deeply? <laughs> in terms of like, you're like, oh, I'm going to do it that way now, because actually that is like, uh, that's a better way. The thing that I always talk about, if anyone says, I don't know, if we're talking about you cooking... Do you talk about me cooking or not? No, 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 but like, if it comes up, it's like, oh, do you and James cook? Can you cook? And I was like, yeah, yeah, James can cook. Um, the, always the thing that I always remember is, which I don't make it very often, but when we used to make ice cream at the supper club and you were just like, just dump boiling hot milk, cream, cream, cream onto egg yolks and just whisk like a motherfucker. Mm. That I was always, ah, oh, that's amazing. I'm quite ballsy and it always worked. Mm. Quickest way to make a custard. That sounds like a porno film name. Yeah. But um, it's not. But yeah. that was always, and I, was, and I thought that had two sides to it. One, which was, which I would say to a lot of people about, if you want to be good at cooking is just to be confident. You know, mm. if you fanny around with stuff, you know, you're like timid when you're cooking things, then generally it's going to be a bit gross. Mm. Like you see people on MasterChef as an example and they, you know, say master and they sort of, you know, mm. instead of just like, just cook it. Do you know what I mean? Cook it. Yeah. Don't. I mean, listeners might be wondering what the hell you're on about ice cream wise. Uh, it does. I, supposedly, this does work if you do it with milk. But I'm a bit timid. I think it helps if you use cream. Oh, so you are timid. I'm t- in this. I, it, it, supposedly, this technique works as well with milk. But I've never tried it because I like a nice, creamy, rich ice cream. But if you're making a custard for an ice cream, traditionally you might dick around with a bain-marie and stir very, very slowly until your custard, your you know, your milk and egg mix reaches whatever it's. 60, 80 degrees, 65 degrees, and then it starts to thicken, and then you've got to fuck around a bit longer until you can see your fingerprint in the back of a spoon or whatever it is. Uh, and I was taught by a chef called Jim Fisher, who was on MasterChef back in Lloyd Grossman days, and then subsequently opened a cookery school in the south of France. And back in my uh, writing days, I, I went and did a piece about his cookery school for the FT. And uh, his technique was you just bring the milk to the boil, uh, I'm going to get the. I think I'm going to get it right. It's six for for a pint of cream. So I call it six hundred mils of cream, four egg yolks, hundred grams of sugar. Whisk the egg yolks and the sugar together a little bit. Get the cream to a roiling boil, as yeah. I call it, a rolling boil if you prefer, and just dump straight on, whisking all the while. And you're going to think it's going to split. It's going to split. It won't split. Keep whisking for another twenty seconds. When that hits eighty five degrees, you'll have a custard. And then you just let it cool and you freeze it. It's great. Sam looked bored, but I reckon people at home were really into that. No, absolutely. It was interesting. It was impressive when you you uh, when you taught me such things. Um, oh, you need a fucking vanilla pod in that cream while you bring it to the boil, by the way. But then chuck it. Um, what What about me? Have I taught you anything on the hots? No. Yeah, this is what this was the segue. Yes, you have. Um, uh, you have. You. Th- I can't remember who it was, but there was a chef who famously you know sort of in uh, elegy to the onion said um you know well, I don't, when i go into the kitchen i chop an onion then i figure out what i'm going to cook and you're right. kind of taught that that's stage one of cooking anything savory is like chop an onion and then 
you go from there. So I've always sort of done that with a lot of things, including pasta sauce. And a few weeks ago on here, you said you don't bother with that. You just fry a bit of garlic and then add the tomatoes. Yeah. And I'm fully on board with that, Sam. I do not see the fucking point of the onion. You've got your alic allium profile from the garlic. You don't need bits of onion. I'm not passing it through a mooly legume. Have you used the mooly legume yet? No, the mooly legume is... uh not going to lie to you, James, I thought I'd lost the Moolie Legume. Oh! The Moolie Legume has been on a journey, but the Moolie Legume has now been located. So the Moolie Legume was given to me by you. Then the Moolie Legume was at my brother's flat in Fulham. Mm-hmm. Then the Moolie Legume took a journey down to Salkham for Christmas. It's been all over that thing. Yeah. Then the Moolie Legume went back to Fulham. This is not a good story. It's then, been all over. You no, you lost it's it. still you in Fulham. It. Still in Fulham. So I, I'll get it back. But my it uh, might come into play on Sunday. My soon-to-be sister-in-law um, said, "What's this weird metal contraption?" And I was telling her, James reckons it can mash potato with the skins on. Uh, and she so James said, doesn't reckon um, it can. Well. <laughs> I'm going to show you on Sunday. Okay. All right. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, I mean, I wrote this when I was drunk, clearly, as a note, as something to discuss, so I don't know why I had it in my head. And the opening sentence is, does, doesn't need answering, the opening question of what I wrote. So I wrote, shipman, good or bad? <laughs> question mark. And I want to say, I'm going to nail no, my colours to yeah. the mast. Bad. Bad guy. I don't think it's a really, I don't think it's a nuanced position. <gasps> I remembered. I remembered what it was. The reason it's good and bad, Ab said, did Harold Shipman, was he killing people to help them? Was he a front runner in euthanasia? Yeah. No. No, he was just a killer. Yes. Then I followed up by thinking about Harold Shipman, and I know we've talked about this before, about me saying that there's, there's only a certain number of human looks. looks. Yeah. yeah. And I think Shipman is one of them, and I think he's ruined it for a lot of old dudes. Because there are a lot of dudes who look like Harold Shipman. I'm sure we've had this exact conversa- conversation. Maybe with relation to Jeremy Corbyn, but... Yeah, Jeremy Corbyn, you'd put him in that ballpark. There's no, a guy... he's not quite in the Shipman no, he's ballpark. Not. Yeah, he's not quite. But there's a guy on MasterChef who does look like Shipman. Is that... Yeah. <laughs> Just shave. It's yeah, like... you, you would That's have what... to change your look. It's like if you had a tiny little moustache around... <laughs> 1940-ish. <laughs> yeah, around then and you had the old mad slick back hair, then you'd probably be like, yeah, do you know what's got to go? This. Yeah, but then post-Brexit, mustache. Farage grew a moustache. It didn't last long, but some people don't care, or they want to look like. But do you think that they... Because you must look at it like you look at, like, Adam Sandler or whatever, and you're like, it's like looking in a mirror. Yeah. Uh, but you don't need to change, because Adam Sandler hasn't done anything bad. Also, I can't... That's my face. Yeah, that is your face, yeah. It's not my look. Mm-hmm. That's true. But like David Baddiel. So maybe I'd grow a beard and shave my head if, if Sandler turned out to be a pederast. Yeah. Or if, like... Well, that is a kind of pederast look, so it's a yeah, difficult yeah. one. It's tough. Rock, hard place. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what did I say the other day? I'll cut this. I'm not saying it's saying it, aren't I? Funny. Oh, um... Cart, meat, horses, fish. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was good. Um, yeah, or like David Baddiel does something bad, then what am I going to do? Because that's my face. 
Nah, but there's there's looking like someone and there's like, oh my god, that yeah. poor person. Well, honestly, that, was it a pigeon the other day? Someone came to ask about a table, and you, and I didn't notice. But you were like that poor guy that's just like Nigel Farage. Was oh, it, he was the spitting image yeah. of Nigel Farage. Maybe it was Nigel Farage. No, because the, the outfit was... He was wearing sort of baggyish jeans. I think he was wearing well, he a likes hoodie. to dress down of a Tuesday. Yeah, but you're not seeing Farage in a hoodie. Farage. Um, all right. All right. Are we off? Uh, welcome, Adam Coughlin, editor of ETA. Um, what's your would-be flaneur? Talk us through that. That's your Twitter biog. Um, I moved to London from Paris by accident in 2009. Um, that is an accident. Yeah. Um, and I just, I don't know, I knew I wasn't a flanner, but I wanted to be one. And a boulevardier. <laughs> That's another good sort of... Uh, and, yeah, no, I just, I, I had this sort of dream of being a man about town and eating in restaurants and... Which you are. Well, yeah, maybe maybe the would be is is now redundant. Yeah, although I, I would never I would never be so arrogant. So the would be will remain. But, um, but I suspect a lot of people are very envious of your job. It's sort of thing, especially right, probably even people in food because you know everyone likes a freebie. But I mean, obviously, you remain entirely uh, unbiased and objective at all times. But uh, is, yeah, is, and, is and, glamorous and, and don't take freebies. <laughs> So you're not going to launch it? Well, I suppose launch is not quite the same. That was fun. We can go to press dinners. Right. Though, we know, like, you know, in the past, obviously, you know, when you're a struggling freelancer or whatever, you have to take people up on invitations. Um, but no, that's that's sort of part of the remit. So no, no, um, no invitations. Um, um, and just talk us through the sort of... Well, don't talk us through because we know, but... Our eight listeners, what the Eater London setup is, and what the bit of the background, and what you do. Um, so currently, there is there's me, um, and then there is um, Laura James, who is in charge of video, and she's a social media and video producer. Playing left back, is she? Uh, <laughs> Possibly, sorry, I reckon we'll actually. Central central midfield, perhaps. No, she's she's superb. So she's responsible for all of the Instagram stories. Right. Um, that's very nifty. I never knew you could swipe up to link. It was, uh, it was fantastic. You can link. only do that if you're a business. Or a, I think if you've got the, the blue tick, you can do it as well. But, um, so they do a blue tick on Instagram? Yeah. My friend just got one. Damon. Damon from Eamon Dunes. That I keep banging oh, on about. Oh, he's as well? Yeah. Ah, uh, now that's why you're banging They've on They've suspended them. the issuing of those blue ticks on Twitter now, though, because of the Nazis. Oh, uh, Yeah. Well, so, you, so before oh, I you, keep wondering why I haven't got one. So you, I mean, you have to. There's a fairly sort of laborious application process. Oh, now, you have to ask for one. Oh yeah. Oh really? Yeah yeah. Oh, I thought they just went around giving them at random. No no. <laughs> but you, I mean, I assume you have to prove your identity and send a passport and blah blah blah. Oh, I thought it was like, a, oh, that means you're baller if you get the. Well, That's it kind of it kind of does, but you can basically be a sort of. Self-appointed baller by starting no, yeah. that registration. Oh, I'm going full ball for that. I've got at least forty followers on Twitter. I think you should change would be flaneur to self-appointed baller. Um, <laughs> yeah, that'd be good. Would be, but would be blue ticked. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, no, this, this, you can't get them now, so it's sort of indefinitely on hold. So there's you and Laura so responsible for quite a lot of output. There's Laura and I, yeah, um, and then obviously a um, a raft of extremely gifted freelancers. 
and, and some George more Reynolds. gifted than others. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, <laughs> and I see what he did there. Um, <laughs> no, but go, sorry, going back. Yeah, I mean, it is. A, it's a dream job. Yeah, it's great. I mean, are you genuinely? Yeah, you, I, I, you it's, it? it's been fantastic. Um, so we're ten, we're ten months in now, I think, um, which has flown by. But I think you know we've we've established ourselves quite nicely. We've still got a long way to go. I think we can get better. Do you get do you get sort of annual targets from on high or monthly targets from on high? Yeah, Ezra Klein just sends him nasty emails. That's Vox, isn't it? Yeah. 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 So I mean, Vox News is is very you know that's a separate entity. So you have Vox Media, which is the parent company under which sit the the different brands. So um, yeah, Vox, SB Nation, um, Eater, um, Racked, Curbed. <laughs> Recode, <laughs> The Verge. Um, so yeah, there's tech, gaming, shopping, property, news, sport. It's the full, the full suite. I have no, no real desire to start writing about clothes just yet. Who knows what will happen in the future? You're I, I, quite I'm a natty dresser, though. I'm, I'm, fond, I'm about you. fond of my clothes, but um, I remember the first time we met, you turned up one, one ball to my supper club. Uh, oh, yeah. After playing football in Shoreditch, if I'm not mistaken. And, Jesus, memory. Um, I think we had a dropout, and I tweeted, someone's dropped out, and you said, oh, all right, I'm up for it. And this guy turned up, long hair, like a big mane. You look like the lion. You look like, not not King Prince John, but you look like when um, King John, King Richard, rather, returns at the end of the Disney Robin Hood. You kind of had hair like that. Yeah. And these little jeans. Quite a, quite a good... Strong look. Quite the dash. Yeah, you described that as a strong yeah. look. Yeah, very. And, uh, you know, I've been impressed by your... By your get up ever since. <laughs> Did you ever have um, twisted Levi's? I didn't actually know. Although just we were talking about them today. No, a friend, a, a very good friend of mine was um, a little bit older than me, and he he was he was a big fan of the twisted. I had a pair and hated them, but I was like, oh yeah, these are the coolest things in the world. And I put them on. It's like my legs look like they've been broken and glued back on. <laughs> they always do. Like, yeah. They were sort of. I mean, they were, they were the sort of evolution. I think the same people that wore. Uh, Adidas poppers yeah. ended up wearing Levi's twisted. It was always slightly. Did poppers you know, go all the way to the top? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> kind of like sporty chaps. <laughs> sporty. Chaps are sporty. Chaps yeah. with the three for stripes. The, yeah. for the, you know, for the equestrian folk. Um, Sam always tells me off for getting too serious when we have guests and, and not being our usual silly selves. But I feel like there's quite a lot of serious questions we should ask you now we've got you. <laughs> In our clutches. I like the fact that you are both armed with notebooks. I mean, this is truly a battle royale that you're coming loaded up. Are you taking notes on us for legal reasons, or you've already (laughs) made notes yourself with which to swing? I don't know why I've got this. It's good, it makes you feel powerful. And then when you're talking, you're talking. It's not, you know, I don't know. What's good is. Come back, go back to that one. I don't know. When the other person's talking, you just look like you're writing notes, and they think, "Oh fuck, they're going to come back at me with something big." And it's just like, "Oh no, I've just written a shopping list." If you have the you have the notepad, and I'll have the calculator. Just How many it. notes did Tim Haywood come armed with? None. He just he's the man is like a, a I don't know where all that information comes because it's like he was ready to talk about stuff, but he didn't have any. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. He sort of knocked us slightly backwards. Because th- then when I listened back the next week, I thought, I wish I'd said that, I wish I'd come back with that. But, he, you know, you get this no, Your avalanche. point, though, about um, loyalty to restaurants being compared to loyalty to hairdressers or whatever, was a, I thought that was a strong response. Thanks, Adam. Well played, James. All right. He, he had nothing either. 
Yeah, he, he conceded that point. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he still had me in a wind choke, wind choke hold, choke hold, choke hold. Went on the windpipe by the end, but. Um... Do you love dogs? Do you hate cats? Then why not listen to our new podcast, The Kitten Is On Fire, in which James and Sam prowl the streets of Canterbury, kidnapping kittens and taking them back to their kitchen for experimentation. Tune in to hear them cook cat au vin, cat and bananas and custard with cat. Kitten is on fire. A new podcast coming to you from Vox. Yeah, we, we sort of tendered this out to Twitter, basically, because we can't be asked to do any research of our own, but uh, there were some quite interesting questions coming back for you, Adam, some of which you had a look at. Did, some it, of did, which any, you did anyone other than few DMs, the Chatfield? A few DMs. Chatfield coming up with a slightly sarky DM about trolleys, which I won't be asking you about. Um, but his first question I thought was good, was is, is the kind of market concept, the ready-for-market concept um, movement putting too much pressure on indies? Market concept is in like stuff that's happening in Spitalfields and is that, I, I or, thought or like meant, was that, market halls and stuff. Okay, well, I, I read that as as basically is there too much emphasis on concepts and are they kind of adding, putting too much pressure? No, on right, market I mean, is in the industry. The market. That's how what market I ready. I don't understand that. Doesn't every restaurant have a concept? So he means that like people that have got backers and people to plan and people to you know rather than open something that sort of tests the waters and taking a step back as you know we discovered is is getting backing is easier if you can say this is the concept this is the niche this is the usp as opposed to which can open a really great restaurant that doesn't really sell it as well so the more restaurants that open that are concepts it's a sort of snowball effect i'm reading a lot into a little question on twitter (coughs) Let's I, I just strip back. Is there too much pressure on indies to? No, I don't. I don't really think so. I think because this, you know, I think always. I think a good restaurant with people that understand business behind it will succeed, irrespective of the competition. You know, if it's in the right place. Obviously, there's a lot of ingredients to get right, but um, I think, I think that's just a fact, and I, I, I think that the so-called market-ready concepts will, you know, will be shown up for what they are eventually. Um, if they're cynical. I mean, if they're good, it's a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing I'd say is, like, you know, there are certain in- investors or restaurant groups like JKS that invest in... I, I mean, I don't suppose that James Lowe or Nieves or, you know, James and Sandia went with a market-ready concept... No. They went with an idea, and these investors that are smart and savvy and understand the market help them like hone that idea into something that's going to work, mm. and then provide. I mean, bubble dogs is quite a market-ready concept. I mean, or it's certainly a weird, con- you know, it's a concept. It's not. Lyle's, you say, Hi, "I'm James Lowe, and I'm one of the young Turks. And I know what I'm doing, and I'm going to open a nice restaurant." And yeah. you think, "All right, I'll back that." Um, I mean, bubble dogs is a weird one because, you know, as far as I can tell, that was a you know a smart way to make what is essentially a sort of passion project supper club mm. viable. So, I don't know. I, I think it was perhaps, you know, they, they had the idea to do bubble, uh, to do champagne and hot dogs only because mm. they knew that, that the margins on that would be high and it could, you know, make James doing his 
fabulous fine dining operation in the background. Uh, Never been. Yeah. yeah, I've got a guy. He's. I mean, he's. He's. A, he's. A, he's, a, he's a real talent, mm. and I think that was the sort of you know that time. That time was like, a, in my opinion, a golden age of kind of dining in London. And Just when it was all kicking off. Well, when that opened, and I mean, the fact it could open, the fact that Dabu opened and was like lauded, and the fact that you know James, you know, the, the Lyles eventually opened, the Clove opened, um, Story opened. Mm. I don't know. It was just that. I mean, going back to me being in my dream job, like the reason I got into this was because of that kind of stuff. You know, my what I deemed to be sort of more like my peers were involved in restaurants and were cooking, and like I could go to these places and they were accessible. And you know, back then they were pretty affordable as well. Mm. <laughs> yeah, but Clove opened with I think a forty-five quid menu or something. Lyle's dinner tasting yeah. menu was forty-two, I think. Nah, fifty-nine. Checked it. It, 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 it quickly changed. I think it was in the forties, early do- early doors for five courses. Oh, sorry, when it opened, I thought yeah. you meant still now. Oh um, no, 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 mate, it was thirty nine. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. What did we open at, at Pigeon? Thirty five. And we're at forty nine, so probably similar. Forty nine. Hmm. For how many? Five. Four courses plus you know, all kinds of bells and whistles there, and you can't even imagine because you haven't been. Um, <laughs> Snacks and thirsty fours, and another and course rest. and some booze and oh yeah, generosity of spirit, Adam. That's what we're all about. And pitch. bread, mate. Don't forget the bread. Yeah. Some places charge for that shit. Who makes your bread? You lot? Uh, no, Dusty Knuckle. But we got the brown butter butter, which is the crack butter, which is that's very much played out, isn't it? The crack thing, but it's crack. Yeah. Well, it was on our opening day. Which the, of their bread do you use? Do you do the white, salad, potato, yeah. white potato? Potato, yeah. It's stunning. It's one bread. of the best, yeah. I think it's. I think it's top three. We it tried a lot. I think it's, yeah, top two. Would you? Well, with Hedoni? Yeah. Would you? Okay. That's... But I'm a fan of that really like high moisture white bread. Mm. You know? Yeah, me too. Like basically like really good quality ciabatta or focaccia essentially. It's like. I mean, we've been going nearly three years and I swear still every time I go and eat a pigeon, which is quite regularly. I'm still like, oh, this bread's fucking amazing. It's the best thing on the menu, frankly. It's also, I think, you know, on. I've heard a few sort of um, complainers about the poppy seed kind of crust. That's not in the dusty knuckle one. Yeah, it is. The white potato is. No, it's No. Is it not? No. Mm. Ah. I love a poppy seed. The Can't poppy seed adds an, a lovely layer of extra sort mm. of savouriness and complexity. Oh, absolutely. I feel poppy seeds are an underrated seed, to be honest. We were talking about seeds earlier, and I had the last... There was just a few left in a jar the other day, and I put them in a salad, and I was... They get stuck in your teeth and whatnot, but it's also like... It's worth it. It's oh, worth they're, it. They're lovely. Yeah. yeah. This sort of ties into another question we got, which was, was bafflingly flattering uh, to you, saying, uh, I thought they were being sarcastic. Do you have the most refined palate amongst the restaurant critic-y crowd in London and then he went on to say he thinks you're a very, very fine critic and why don't you actually be a restaurant critic? He's extremely, um, extremely kind as Chatfield. Um, God, God knows why he thinks that. I don't know, I mean... You do talk a fair amount of sense when you're on your own time. Oh, well... I mean, not, not that you don't need to, I but mean, obviously, you know, you have to... I think... I mean, for, for a start, when, you know, we... I think a lot of people are kind of curious to know when and if indeed we will do reviews. Um, 
And I, you know, it's it's worth pointing out that only New York and um, San Francisco, of all the 24 eater sites, do restaurant reviews. And San Francisco only happened in the last six months. And they have a national critic, obviously, Bill Addison. So it's you know it's definitely not a priority. Mm. It won't it won't happen anytime but soon. But wouldn't there be scope for you know especially if you can do it yourself then of those Bill Allison style things which in London you feel like there'd be a real spot for that. Yeah, I mean I definitely think there's room for it. Um, uh, I just I think the the problem is there's a there's a there's a there's a very different attitude towards restaurant criticism in the states and obviously it's ext- it's much more forensic. It's not like it is in lots of ways here. A column that happens to be, you know, in a restaurant. I think that, you know, the the the, the, dis- the dissecting of the food and the restaurant itself is often sort of secondary to sort of, you know, it's it's just a sort of vehicle for someone's writing, which I think, you know, that remains a source of fascination to a lot of, you know, American observers. And that, where, whereas there, it's, it's super like it's almost like scientific and clinical and. Well, in the fallout from the the sort of Michael Deacon, not I would go so far as to say controversy, but um, outpouring of anger. This is the Telegraph critic who seems to take great delight in um, being a complete ignoramus when it comes to food. Um, various. There was, it was quite an interesting argument because there were those who said that the critic's job is to, you know, as A. a. Gill said, is to sell newspapers, uh, is to entertain their readers. It's not to uh, pander to. Restaurants. I don't particularly agree with that, but that is the sort of hacks position, isn't it? I definitely don't don't think that the job should be to pander to restaurants. I think you have a duty to your audience, you know, and that might be to entertain and what, whatever. But I mean, you have. To, I think George's point was you have to come at it with a, you know, at, at least a, a, a sense of I'm gonna I'm gonna give this, you know, the. At least the respect it deserves, mm. and and I, he, it just seems to me like he's kind of like, you know that headline is is he trolling the restaurant industry? Mm. He's, he's taking the piss almost, mm. and I, for me, I, I just I just don't see what the point is. Like even if it is for the Telegraph to send to sell newspapers, I, I'm not sure that it. I don't think it's intelligent enough to be taking the piss, though. I think to for your main criticism of somewhere like Sabor to be that, that uh, it's annoying having an open kitchen because you're sitting too near the chefs. That's not trolling. That's not. That's just misunderstanding. It's also like not even um, if he was trolling. You know, you said I haven't read his stuff so uh, outside of his food stuff, but um, you say he's a good writer on politics. Yeah, exactly. he's, 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 you know, he knows yeah. what he's talking. He's so, not. So, he's no mug. This yeah, guy. So, so if he was writing about restaurants and wanted to troll the rest, then he would be far more entertaining with it. He does, but they just read really dull and and yeah. dumb. You know, he reads like a kind of uh, a, a sort of grumpy old man. He reads like someone who never, who who has never read any other piece of restaurant or food criticism in his life. But I, my my interpretation of him is that he is like he literally does not think it's worth totally care yeah. or like putting a shift in when he does that column I, I mean and I think that was what you mentioned earlier the lack of respect for yeah. it which is George made yeah. reference to and I kind of felt like that's the biggest point in mm. this yeah. it's just disrespectful to be this is a topic that he might not give a shit about but a lot of people do you know maybe but not. also yeah I mean why like you know George also said like, I'm sure there, there are lots of people there who would very much at the Telegraph who would enjoy to, you know yeah. to do that job and who would also you know do it do it justice 
Can you imagine him go, going to review an opera and being like, yeah. to be honest, I prefer to go and see the um, School of Rock, the musical. Uh, what is this fucking flouncy nonsense and all these silly costumes and this woman singing really high? It's that's dumb. the same. I mean, but then that's, that's the same the thing that though. Badil did, didn't he? You know, that anyone can do it. You know, it was a bit of, again, a bit disrespectful, maybe to the form or to the, I think, to the idea that people care about it. You know, it's, oh, what a mm. silly thing to care about, which I remember having with, like, if you really care about music, and a lot mm. of people don't really give a toss about music, yeah. but it's so, but the idea that if you really care about it, you should be somehow embarrassed. Like, oh, what a silly, pointless thing to care about, or mm. books, or whatever it is, you know. Mm. But I, part of me thinks as well, it's a little bit of a, it's, it's, it's perhaps a bit of a um, confrontation of traditional media outlets having a reckoning with foods kind of you know the place food is occupied in in the kind of public debate and populist culture and mm. i think the the tack that tell the telegraph seems to have taken is yeah we're not going to get on board with that this is yeah. fucking stupid like yeah. but except catherine flett catherine flett and keith miller who are the other two critics there know what they're talking about they write quite well about food don't yeah they? i mean perhaps they just Fancy <laughs> mixing it, it up yeah. and having the. But if you're, you know, you're a hack at the Telegraph, you know, you're, you're, you're a sketch writer, you know, political sketch writer, and he's good. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. And they say, do you want to, do you want to do the uh, restaurant column every couple of weeks? You get to eat out for free. Of course, you're going to say yes, but then to not take it seriously is, um, is the insult. <laughs> the other, the other, you know, asking about um, whether we're going to do reviews and. My own personal whatever credentials as a reviewer. I there's a tendency for people to assume that it's like the high point of food writing and it's like the most important thing in food journalism. I, I just I just don't think it is. I I think there's many many more interesting and important ways that which through which we can kind of address the subject. So such it, as well, I mean you know essays for a start or. Um, Interviews with key people, I think doing, um, raising the profile of people that have been perhaps a little bit left behind and haven't got the finances to get themselves in front of um, media outlets. I think that the London restaurant industry has been, you know, I would say PR driven since it kind of took off. Um, and, you know, of course, of course that happens when, when, the, when an industry starts booming and make, making money, like, those who have more money um, mm. it's easier get, to get in, front of, yeah. get in front of more more outlets and therefore become more famous and do better so I don't know I think it's nice um, it's nice to sort of redress the balance a bit and, 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 and talk about like a, a lot of other stuff like for example the I think one of the most important pieces we've done is the um, Fuchsia Dunlop's piece mm. on that Uyghur restaurant in Walthamstow and you know that that we're storytellers, all of us, and I think that there's, there, is, there are stories that don't get told that should be told, and that was a brilliant example of a, um, an amazing story. Um, that was, that was the, exactly the one that I was going to yeah. say. It's like an, a, a piece that the number of people that sort of... You could just sort of see yeah. it when people were suddenly talking about this piece. Everyone's ears kind of pricked up, and it was yeah. definitely felt like more of a... More of a moment than a, an amazing, you know, some new yeah. place ever gets an amazing, or gets a complete kicking, whichever. It genuinely felt like people were fascinated by that story, and that was, that's I think, why I think it's 
good, you know, good for you. Know? And I think when I was, you know, when I was talking to Future about doing, I've been talking to her for ages about doing something on the site, and you know, finally came up. She'd been to to Etles, um the week before we were we were catching up, and uh, she said there's this story, and like, she, you know, her natural sort of she was thinking that she would probably write a review of it and I was like well we you know we don't do reviews we don't ever really write in first person so let's think about another way of telling the story and I, I don't know it's just that it's obvious you can get how Fuchsia feels about that restaurant you know it's yeah. a positive yeah. um, write up but it's not a review and I just I don't know I, I, I find that personally I think that's that you know at least at the moment a, a really interesting way to approach restaurant stories Hmm. Like I, think, you know, the, the, I mean, Bill Addison does that a little bit, I'd say. He definitely has sure. the American slightly more forensic thing on it, but he definitely writes around it, especially when he's writing about restaurants closer to home. You know, yeah. He talks about um, the Justin, Justin Yu guy in his new place, and it was very much about what he brings to Houston, I think. He's opened this new place, and it was yeah. definitely writing around it in a way that's super informative and not, not as floaty, say, as probably... British critics write about food, but do you think the risk is that the the, um, the we've we've got so used to the the criticism side of things that um, essays of that ilk uh, I would include your motu thing in this uh, can read a little bit puff piecey at times. Um. Well, I would hope I would hope never to publish anything that felt a bit puff piecey. Although those. Um, those awards yeah, profile yeah. features are, you know, obviously they are about award winners, so they're, you know, we're not going to... A bit more positive than they might they be. Might, they might seem a bit more positive because, we, you know, we've awarded them a... But I, I don't know, I tried to interrogate them a bit about, the, the you know, the, the business side of things. Um, I mean, of course, if, you, if you're not writing reviews, then you're not going to do a... <laughs> you're not going to really necessarily write about a restaurant. You're not going to do a re- restaurant report or tell a story that's, um, you know, strictly negative. I think there are other ways in which you, we report on the news. Mm. You know, like Fanny's, for example. That's another story. The kebabs mm-hmm. um, piece. You know, can we talk about that a bit. That's just, uh, just for those in Alaska who don't know about Fanny's kebabs. Well, we weirdly we mentioned them earlier in the yeah, we did, in yeah. the broadcast. Yeah, broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, this is this um, a trio from uh, Putney or Fulham, I forget which, some uh, part of um, it's, it's leafy called, it's southwest Claude's London. Kitchen, Parsons Green. Claude's Kitchen crew, yeah, um, announced ages ago, long before we launched the site, that they were opening a um, quotes posh kebabs. Um, restaurant in Stoke Newington um, and as anyone familiar with Stoke Newington will know that is where all of you know or the vast majority of London's uh, Turkish community and Turkish restaurants Ocakbashi Grill restaurants are um, and it it just kind of blew up on Twitter um, someone from an account called Stokey Lit Fest I think it was um, posted a photograph of an advertisement outside their shop front um, saying that they were going to you know bring posh kebabs to Stoke Newington. Um, and I think, you know, it, the reason it became a story was because it was picked up by Jay Rayner and Marina, um, and it just kind of blew up. And I, I just thought, well... Um, and then the very outspoken um, 
Furhat from uh, Mangal 2 got involved. Um, <laughs> Which we need to get him was, on there. Yeah. Was, was pretty, pretty poetic. Um, so I just thought, well, uh, you know, like we could easily do a this is what Twitter said about this outrage, um, but why not let's talk to Claude Compton from from Fanny's Kebabs and also Furhart and get their, each their side of the story. And, you know, we obviously it, it becomes editorialised, you know, we're not... You can't be fully impartial, but, um, but that, that is far preferable, I think, to most people than the sort of um, nibbly, buzzfeedy approach that... Yeah, would, would I mean, we include, obviously, some, some tweets in the piece, but... I just thought it was really interesting. I mean, I thought it was interesting this the bizarre ignorance um, and audacity of of these guys going there and doing this thing, and and, and also that I was astonished by their <laughs> they were sort of they seemed to be incredulous that there was an out, you yeah. know an outpouring of emotion, um, and then also of course Verhart was just very eloquent. It's like you know I I, I don't wish for any business to fail. Um, I wish everyone all the best, but don't insult hundreds and hundreds of years of, you know, not is just Turkish cuisine, cuisine, but Persian cuisine. And but this is what you were talking cuisines. about earlier as well, of the MasterChef contestants saying, I'm going to make Chinese takeaway food better, basically. The yeah, implication was, was that there's something trashy about kebabs. So which yeah, I mean, and, and when I was speaking to him, he constantly referred to, which was weird and funny, um, and also a bit alarming, the spinning kebab, by which I assume he meant the donna. <laughs> but and I had you know I had to point out to him that you know that was that was one type of kebab you know there are, again it's like smacks of someone who's not actually engaged with what the fuck they're talking about or doing but I think that often happens with anybody you know we say this a lot about people doing their um, casual concepts you know oh somebody coming from their mission star background and they're going to do this is their casual spin off and it's and it's tight and it's uptight and mm. it's you know it's everything uh, but casual yeah anything but casual because it's like you don't know you know or people who don't go to pubs opening a pub you know that that's not you know you're not going to get to where it, it doesn't read as as it should you know that these things are something for a reason if you have no concept of what they are but you're oh i'm going to take a run at this and yeah call it a spinning spinning crab. I mean, that's what Russell said when he opened the Open Bird. Was, was yeah. uh, there's a pub oh, people it, yeah. who don't like pubs? You're like, well, don't open a pub then. I don't. I, you know, what day I like. <laughs> I like most things. Yeah, yeah you're a real lover of things. I love a Greek taverna. Yeah. I love. I, I love a steak Newington uh, kebab action. Yeah, but I tried to open a kebab place. As you is know, that place opened? It has. Yeah, I think. Yeah. And they they've already announced that they're opening a second one. I mean, the thing is. Didn't they say in the, in the literature, as they say, uh, we are positioning this for a rollout? There was no kind of subtlety to the strategy. It was just like, yes, this is the first of a million Fanny's kebab shops. Yeah. Is it still called Fanny's? It is still called Fanny's, but they, yeah, I should have said earlier, they, after, after the um, Twitter storm, they <laughs> removed uh, Posh from their uh, yeah. um, sort of tagline. They also deleted their entire Instagram, which was, you know, various photos of... Spinning kebabs. Well, no, like, you know, glamorous people wandering around on holiday, like, with Fanny's Posh Kebabs t-shirts on. And there, was a, there was a certain, you know, they it's were very... It's a made in Chelsea approach, Yeah, it? there was a very cynical kind of, you know, let's, let's, let's open a kebab shop, but let's also sort of tap into the wellness kind of, oh, one of you know the sort of I'll just wedge it all in together healthy eating <laughs> yeah. so I, I appreciate the sort of 
you know, thing of, for one of a better posh example, like German Street. If you can open a shop, a shirt shop, open it on German Street. That's where you get my shirts now. Uh, I don't. Okay. It's, it's or iron them. River I Island. Yeah. I never iron them. No. Um, but it's like, it's, it, if you were a posh guy from West London or anywhere, or, or you know, whatever, if, you, if you're a non... Uh, I'm going to fudge what I'm trying to say here. You wouldn't go and open a, a posh Indian in Whitechapel. Or you shouldn't. You should realise that's a fucking idiotic idea. Um, I think you could go and open an Indian restaurant an Indian- in Whitechapel. If you if you go and go, I'm going to open a... Uh, I'm going to do a, this a, properly. A, a, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to elevate your cuisine. <laughs> You, you, you know, heathens. You don't know what you're doing, and I'm going to step in and show no, that, you. And, how that, and that very, that very That's much the, was, you know, I think the source of, you know, not it's not just the, the literal way they presented it and how what they called it. It was, it was that was that was very much. That was part of the message. Their messaging, yeah. you know, you you people that, you know, we all have that guilty pleasure, you know, and he he constantly kept talking about the fact that on his way home from his, you know bistro in Putney they would have a few drinks and they'd always feel like a kebab but they'd always feel bad about it yeah. now, now they were the sort of you know saviours they were yeah. going to open this place where people could go and they could order a kebab and not feel guilty about it it's like that um, uh, um, not the 9 o'clock news sketch with Rowan Atkinson at the Conservative Party conference um, talking about I don't mind immigration I, I mean I like curry <laughs> but now that we've got the recipe, could you just go home? It's sort of that. It's like, we're going to take this over now. You, we, we'll do the Stoke Newington kebab thing and we'll see you later. I really hope that's not what we had in our messaging of showing our short-lived uh, kebab efforts. I don't think we did. And, you know, you risked your life for those kebabs, so, you know. Oh, because I nearly blew up Bermondsey Square? Yeah. Yeah, that's the worst night of my life. Got in the car and cried. Did you cry? Yeah. Did you? And Rosie had just been sacked from her job, so she got in the car and cried as well. Oh, crumbs. <laughs> Were you engaged at that point? Uh, good question, Sam. I believe oh. not. I think it was shortly before. Maybe it was that very night. I don't know. Reports confirm that the Kitchen is on Fire podcast is sponsored by Our London Vodka. Producers on the show refused to deny earlier allegations regarding the sponsorship agreement, while a subsequent Instagram post by one of the show's presenters, Jeff Goldblum, provided further grist to the accuser's mill. Our correspondent, Gordon Ramsay, has more. Ah, right, yes, well, wow. Uh, The Instagram post by Goldblum showed the consummate host preparing the perfect vodka martini, including the instructions to put your glasses and our London vodka in the freezer an hour before serving. Then to stir down a healthy measure of our London vodka with a good dash of dry vermouth. The post was followed by the hashtags I like it wet and sponsored a dead giveaway. They are also offering 50% off an our London vodka based cocktail at Magpie Restaurant on Heddon Street for anyone quoting the kitchen is on fire. Gordon Ramsay, BBC News, done. Open-ended question, but where do you, th- you know, where do you think we're going? Um, you know, there's a lot of doom mongering. In fact, originally when we were going to get you on here, it was to have a go at you for. Um, yeah, it's like you off most weeks for Glee Club. Glee but, Club. Um, actually, you know, <laughs> the Glee Club seems to have sung the right song on the whole. So, you know, where- I think, um, you know, 
I don't, was it us that coined the phrase restaurant apocalypse? I, I don't I think, think it was us that. I, I don't believe that it was us. No, I think we started calling it right. the apocalypse. That's our fault. <laughs> but weird stuff. You know, look, it, it looked pretty bleak. When, when that report was published, sort of, you know, final quarter last year, mm. um, the language was very much, you know, brace. The industry needs to brace itself for a for a you know, fairly correction, size was it? yeah correction, but also a significant downturn. You know, and then there were a few there were a few closures announced um, at the end of the year, and then January hit, and it, I remember the first sixteen days of the year we wrote about eleven restaurants closing, and it mm. seemed very much like that was happening. Um, so, I mean, it's difficult to know. I mean, it's I think a lot of the independents that closed were for reasons that perhaps would have affected the rest, restaurant industry in, in, in other years. Some maybe not. But, you know, the big, the big thing that's happened is the, is, is the chains. Um, and, uh, you know, those, the reasons for that are, are well documented, you know, oversupply. And, but I think critically the fact that the business rates went up and the fact these, you know, when you've got a portfolio so big and your margins are small but overall they, you know, amount to a significant... Um, profits as soon as one ingredient shifts and those profits start to look different you, you know you're in trouble I think that's what's happened and I think that would happen if one thing like business rates happened but other things happen too and you know the pound is worth less than it was people have got less money in their pockets etc etc um, so what should um, what should people be doing to feather their nests do you think We'll just get the fuck out of Dodge. <laughs> the the restaurateurs or the yeah. or the punters. Well, well, I mean, you know, we we we've certainly seen lunch trade get you know go go in the wrong direction as trends go, and I'm sure part of that is just consumer confidence. And you think, you know, central and the restaurants. I'm sure plenty are still doing great for lunch, but. Um, if if you if suddenly you, you're only willing to spend a percentage a small percentage of money on on going out for lunch because actually think I'd rather go out for dinner if I'm going to go out, you know why why would I go out and spend fifteen twenty quid on lunch when I could just get a sandwich or take something from home? You know I think lunches are, are going to get a hit. So you know I would say, I mean obviously my question is more from the point of view of restaurateurs. I mean so Matt, this is a sort of very long winded question slash answer. Um, you know, Matt Chatfield again on on Twitter wanted to ask you. You know, why is it that restaurants aren't already um, being proactive using more British suppliers? Because if if suddenly getting stuff in from Europe um, goes through the roof, then you are fucked. Whereas if if, if you're being proactive, if you're well, I mean, I, I, the, the, the the only the only reason I could assume that an operator wouldn't use British suppliers over a European supplier was because it was more expensive, if, you know, at the moment. At the moment, yeah. Um, so I'm sure they will change when, it, when, the, when, it, when the numbers make sense. I think that's easier said than done, though. If you're well, you need to establish these relationships early. I think so. I think, you, yeah, you need to know. I mean, I'm sure there are operators who don't massively care, you know, if it's seven out of ten or nine out of ten quality for your sausages, um, but you know the idea that right, it's twenty ninth of March or whatever it's thirty first of March. <clears throat> it's twenty ninth, isn't it? Twenty nineteen. Right, can't get our sausages from Toulouse anymore. 
um, let's ring around a few people, see what you know. It, you know, in, in practice, you would need to be organised and and sort of know what you're looking at, and probably take a hit early on. But you know, again, I said that if everyone's just trying to make savings where they can, then you're going to make savings on on everything. I mean, I think it's fairly simple. I think the smart operators will make those corrections in in, in good time. Um, and I think some won't, and they'll 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 feel the pinch, and they might might not have certain ingredients for a while. I think Matt's basic basically asking why he 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 would like to um, place the responsibility of supporting. Do you want to just t- tell everyone who Matt is? So. Matt Chatfield is a um, a chap from Cornwall who has a um, family history in farming and um, about seven or eight years ago, I think it was, he, he, he knew butchers and fish suppliers from Cornwall and he started basically bringing up meat and fish um, and, to a lesser extent, fruit and veg from Cornish suppliers to top London restaurants, some of which... Um, you know, many of which actually had had Michelin stars. Like I think he supplied Shea Bruce and the Lebrie and eventually the Clove Club, and he's responsible for the introduction of what many people believe is the best British beef, some of the best beef in the world to many London restaurants. Um, he then got involved with some pubs and opened at the Newman Arms himself and was a regular feature behind the bar there as a landlord. Um, but Matt's Matt's a sort of food hero in many ways, I suppose. Um, and he is adamant that he voted and remain, but Brexit's mm. going to happen. And he is—he wants to support British farmers and British fishermen. And he knows much more about this than I do, but he recognises, I think, having had conversations with fishermen and farmers and butchers in the southwest, that um, Brexit presents an opportunity for them. And he thinks that... Restaurant operators in London and food writers have a duty to ensure that those suppliers are supported and help them get the best deal possible. I, I mean, I'm kind of unclear. I remain unclear on precisely what his hope is. Seems... Um, I'm not sure that it's, it's, it's our responsibility. Or indeed the, the restaurant's responsibility. Um, I mean, I think good, you know, good restaurants already use British mm. suppliers. It's, it's, mm. I mean, I'm not, I don't really know. I don't really know what he exactly what he wants. But, but well, I suppose, and, and less good restaurants will probably be forced to. So he's possibly not wrong in saying there is an opportunity for um, for these guys to. I mean, the fear is though that you know you then you know, and it's a sort of fundamental downside and negative of. Brexit is that there's a there's a massive danger that you just get complete homogeneity and even if they are the best suppliers, not everyone's going to be able to afford the best suppliers mm. and they'll just go go British and go home, mate. What is the one? Restaurant concept, Adam, that you think is missing from London? Missing? 
we published a taco map today, and there are good places to get tacos in London. I don't think there's an outstanding place to get tacos in London. I said to Sam when I read that taco map uh, that I've always loved tacos because there's just there's something perfect about just everything about them when they're good. But that dinner you and I had the other night, I was like, ooh, that's kind of put me off tacos for a bit. Well, yeah, I mean, that was abject. Yeah. Um, but, and I've, you know, I think I've, I've written, I've gone on the record, as they say, about my um, love of Los Tacos Numero Uno in New York and a number of places in L.A., like Guisados and uh, Leo's Taco Truck. And... You know, they're just... They're for, and to be honest, as well, Rocio Sanchez's... Um, Ica de Sanchez in Copenhagen. They're just... I mean, they're just... What's the... What's the what's, what's necessary to sort of... Well, they're really, really good, are you saying? Outstanding, yeah. and, and... I wasn't sure if you were saying... They're, no, they're, they're not what everyone says they're No, not. they're just... They're, just, they're, they're perfect. Um, and I... Uh, look, I think, I think Santa Remedio is very good. I think El Pastor is, is, is good, too. Um, and I, I love that pork taco at Homies on Donkeys in in Wood Street, um, but n- there's there's no place where you know, there all the tacos there are just are, are stunning and where you just want to keep going back and it's a sort of reliable choice for that kind of and dinner. And what, what what's missing? Because I I haven't had I I've never had. Stellar tacos, you know. I've never, I've yeah, never, yeah. haven't had but I don't think great I like, tacos I, I, in LA, or I've never, I didn't be, go to um, yeah, any of um, Alex Stupak's places in New York, and which I probably should have done. But yeah, but you know, like, what, what is it? What's I mean, missing? Frankly, thank you. I think it's the, I mean, the quality of the tortilla, obviously, which we do have, um, especially at uh, El Pastor. Where they make their own, and they nixtamalize the corn and stuff there. Um, I think they're a bit. Their tortillas are a bit small. I mean, that's the other thing. There is a, here. It, there's a there's a sort of there's a real lack of generosity. Yeah. Um, and I I think they've you know they've become a bit like the Bre- Bredos tacos, which I mean, good luck. To, they're doing superbly, um, and they're much followed and much loved. I just. I mean, and they, to be honest, they would they would never say that they were Mexican tacos, mm. but they you know they use the tortilla sort of with toppings, which is a taco, as a format to experiment with, you know, chefy combinations, which is fine. But I don't know. I just I just I, I personally just think that that is certainly lacking as a, as a as a sort of the the selection is lacking. You know, we, there was a time when great burgers, which I you know would 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 compare. Mm. You know, that, when you when you want to spend that amount of money on dinner or whatever, um, you know, it's, it's sort of you know fast casual eating, um, but you want quality. Um, we now have so many amazing kind of burger restaurants. Um, I just I just I just don't think we have. Um, but I, I mean, I think there's a very simple reason for it. I don't, you know, there's never been a significant Mexican community in London, and that's that that's the reason it hasn't happened. I would I would have I would have thought. Is so, there in Copenhagen? <laughs> no, no, but, but she's but just she's incredibly. Mean, she's actually, I think she's second generation Mexican. She's from Chicago, um, and she went to work at WD Fifty, and then she went to work for Rene, and she was Rene's pastry chef, um, and identified that there was nowhere to get tacos and Mexican food in in Copenhagen. So Rene said, "Do it." 
Not least, I think, because he absolutely loves Mexican food and loves tacos. Right. Who doesn't? I know that. I mean, I just think it's a little bit of a shame, frankly. That when I was a kid, like even the old El Paso, old El Paso, Paso. Old El, old El Paso, like from yeah. the supermarket. That's fucking awesome getting that. Age yeah, those, in and those cri- I like the crisp, the crisp shells. Which yeah, are, love yeah. those. You put in. I mean, oh God, that was a go- that was such a go-to. And then like cheddar and yeah. mints and uh, kidney beans and yeah. fantastic, delicious. Yeah. And chopped peppers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's still, still like, sachet yeah. spice mix. Yeah. Happy days. But still, in my head, I'm like, I could put that down and be pretty. Do you know, what I was just thinking. If I hadn't given our credit card, my credit card details for yeah. where, for where we go for dinner, I'd be like, let's check that in and go and get some Mexican yeah. food. Yeah, um, you, that was a good line you said. You said uh, I haven't looked forward to a meal as little as I am the one tonight. Yeah. Usually after we record, we're like, oh, we should go and try somewhere new. That's part of the remit of being restaurateurs. Is, and we always end up going to Parsons and or Hawksmoor because they're nearby and easy. <laughs> Why don't you go Great, great Queen Street? Uh, it's too nearby. It's, nah, it's yeah. shitting on your own doorstep. Um, uh, but then it's not. I'm not going to name it because it might be shit, and then we don't want to talk about it. But it's a new place in Soho. We're like, we should try that. Um, oh, no, no, no. Oh, really? Well, I mean, it sounds awful. But that's what. That's why I'm not looking forward to it. But maybe it'll be amazing. Have you met? No, but. I- you're going to have to some fun cutting this. Yeah, it's going to be beep, 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 beep. <clears throat> um, But no, um, what let's, else? Let's, let's end on a high because we we're about to get kicked out here. Um, uh, I say get kicked out, the people leave at seven and we don't like locking up because we get confused. Um, uh, where should everyone go and eat right now? Uh, I think Brat is a, is a fabulous restaurant. Um, everyone already knows that. Um, where else? Uh, well, I can ask you about the fish at Brat. So I went to Brat last night, mm. and I thought it was great. And I think everyone has shit, but I thought it was really good. The fish, when I had it, which was delicious and it was cooked perfectly, but it didn't have any wood or smoke on it. Like I know it's not supposed to be smoked, no. but mine was just like, oh, it's perfectly cooked, you know, delicious, yeah. gelatinous. Yeah. Seasoned for and the cool thing oh, as well, which I forgot to say was he. So he comes over and he has the pot of salt, puts it there and says, you know, where it's cooked and it's whole and it's cooked and thing. There's going to be bits that don't have seasoning, just season it. I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm. You know, a lot of places wouldn't no. probably do that, and I thought that was a cool touch. But it didn't have any smoke or wood on it. And I was no, and like, I think mm. you know, it's really interesting this 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 mode of cooking fish, grilling, slow grilling, which yeah. is you know this technique they've taken from northern Spain. And actually, when I first heard about this restaurant ages ago, and they told me about this, they they t- they said that they're, they're you know basically the f- the French way to cook fish had become fine dining fine dining cookery of fish was very much you know minimal cooking um, for maximum texture. So you know you'd often go and, and and a dish in a fine dining restaurant would be a you know the most the most immaculate piece of cod. It doesn't doesn't really taste of anything. It's mm. just texture, and I think what they wanted to do was, you know, maybe forego a little bit of the texture and and just slowly, slowly, you know, work it on the grill to to make sure that there was more taste. But I I kind of hear what you're saying. I mean, you could kind of they almost could do what they've done in an oven. Yeah, that's and that's why I said I said you know that could have been. Roasted or pan, you know, not pan fried. I mean, it's definitely not. I mean, there's something incredibly romantic and lovely about 
cooking over wood, isn't there? Which is why everyone's into it, and it and it makes the room yeah, smell but, nice. Yeah, but you, and see, it looks their, you cool. see their gear, and they've got wood, I and mean, it's burning. It's in the thing. I've got wood. Just thinking about it. I mean, it's delicious, but <laughs> it was delicious. That needs yeah, to be said. I mean, know, but I was like, no, it's not. Uh, how did you? I mean, this is a this is a genuine question because I think I remain undecided about eating a whole turbot that's been cooked on a wood oven in a on a very busy thoroughfare in Shoreditch. In you know, end of March, whenever it was that I ate it. You know, th- this is a restaurant that styles itself on, you know, the country sort of restaurants and, and um, houses of, of northern Spain and the kind of coastal towns of northern Spain. And I think, you know, you could also say, like, even parts of France and stuff. Do you feel that there's a sort of, I don't know, slight disconnect? Is it... Uh, I don't know how. I, I just. I genuinely. I, it's, a, it's a question I've been sort of toying with. I, I suppose so, but I think you could say that about most restaurants. You know, you could say that about kiln. You know, is you know, it's cooking northern Thai food that you would get in a mm. you know a roadside that a traveller's stop or whatever, and it's all cooked on coals and you know. But it's, fire there's, there's, something, and, there's something. I don't know. There's, seems to me something about the way that place is that it, it borrows an urban concept I, I, I ask because I, I, I've always wondered why there are no really good fish restaurants in London and I think there are you know obviously there, there are the odd ones yeah. but it's not like you don't, you don't you don't eat you don't really like that's not what you go out to eat in London you know you do that when you're in on the seaside on the coast and stuff yeah I just I, I just um, I, I see your point for sure but I, I, I'm, I'm not like a kind of time and place um, Puritan, but I, for me, that it's just slightly—I don't know—slightly off key. I mean, you know, you got it's London. You can have whatever you want. You know, you can rainforest cafe. You know, I mean, that is bringing the yeah, rainforest it still into works. It's, Piccadilly it's, Circus. Is you there know, a disconnect? That, yes. But yeah. But do you but, still sort of feel like you are in a rainforest? Yeah. Because you're sweating. There's an animatronic monkey there. A you snake. want to get out? <laughs> yeah. Get the fuck out. Yeah. Traditional Amazonian cuisine. Save yourself. Um, I've never been there actually, but everyone says it's very expensive and appallingly bad food. Yeah. Just what they say about magpie too. <laughs> On that note, Adam, thank you very much. Parsons as well. Well. Yeah, bloody Parsons. Everyone knows Parsons. Oh, Parsons. The guys who the run it are properly racist. <laughs> <laughs> and they, they sit there most of the time. So yeah, We share the office with them. Can so. I also just mention the restaurant? I'm, I haven't really looked forward to a restaurant more in ages than um, P. Franco. At, well, what's going yeah. to be called Bright. That, I think that's gen- that genuinely that for me. New Zealanders are going to get that confused with brat though. There's going to be a whole thing. Brat. Where you going? Get it, brat. Where's it? It's on Richard Street. What? Whiskey Street? Where's brat? What? Uh, Would you be in South Africa? I don't know. It was yeah. a silly joke. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that. Too. I just think, uh, for me, the you know, I think Will Will Gleave is a hell of a chef. I think Phil's a brilliant front of house, and they've you know I think by the sounds of things they're building a really Really nice team. I, I just I don't know, I, from people, the cr- critics of our um, awarding um, P. Franco Restaurant of the Year, you know, allege that it's not really a restaurant, and you know, of course it isn't. It's a shop. Um, but um, the reason I wanted to award it that was I thought it was doing a more interesting job than mm. 
area totally. of the restaurant. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think they've got. I think they've as well as the food been amazing, and it been also kind of deceptively looks there. You know, they've got they've got little. <laughs> flannels in the in the toilet, which is always you know, and they've got they got Aesop and obviously, but got it's got they've 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 got they've got a real gift for hospitality. So I'm just I'm just really looking forward to seeing what they do in like a quotes proper restaurant, and and finally William Gleave cooking permanently somewhere is just I think he's got that I think he you know he he has the sort of talent that. Filled, the industry was filled with around the same time we were talking about before when Dabu and Lyles and stuff opened. I think that's, you know, it could be a, who knows, I could be building this up to be. <laughs> so, oh, it's not as good as P. Franco. It's all right. Yeah, that'll be Sam's review. Yeah, so, having not been to P. Franco, mm, wouldn't it? still be your review. Shame we didn't get to talk about Hyde. Yeah. Did really you go last night? No. No, he doesn't do freebies, does he? Uh, no, but I didn't know if it was like a press thing or whatever. Did you I, go? No. No. Who went? Uh, one of our old chefs. Yeah, one of yeah. our old chefs. He went to the Fat Duck for lunch and then went to Hyde. That's that. <laughs> it's quite a day. Dude's probably got gout. How was Hyde? Or how are you? What's your feelings on Hyde? I'm just. Um, we can do two. Yeah. I don't. I just don't share George, for example's um, cynicism about the project. I think. I think it's fascinating. Um, oh, if they put it off, it'll be crazy. Yeah. Um, I think it's amazingly ambitious. Um, you know, knowing Ollie a bit and having you know interviewed him over the years, um, and I did. I I went to a preview dinner there. It, I just I, I just don't, I just can't imagine him allowing it to go, um, Ori. So I just think it's um, he's so talented, and I think you know by his own admission he was he was stale and he 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 taken Dabu um, mm. as far as it could go. So I think, you know, re-energised in there with, like, facilities that... Yeah. I mean, the, the kitchen there is, you know, it's about ten times the size of the space they had in um, in Fitzrovia. Um, and the, the owners are really interesting people. Mm. Um, they've got a really interesting story and they care a lot about wine and they have obviously identified Ollie as a gifted chef. It's fascinating to see how it plays out. Would you pop me down Labricks and sticking money on two stars in October? <laughs> be interesting. Or, or, or William Hill. Be very interesting to see how um, I don't know how Michelin. I mean, because they're basically discrete restaurants within the building. Right. So you've got the bar downstairs, which is somewhere that they're not really like up for people just drinking at. So there's although it's high high seats and a bar, it's food. You know, right. you, you're supposed to kind of eat there. And the ground floor. It's all day dining, afternoon tea, breakfast in the morning, bakery in there and everything, like 24-hour bakery operation. And then upstairs is the is the fine dining, tasting menu set up where he is. Um, Crikey. Um, You're doing all day there then? Start? Yeah. I mean, I just think it's like, it's so ambitious. And obviously, the, you know, the, the, the owners are extremely wealthy and, you know, critics would say there's no risk. But there are reputations mm. at stake, and I think, like you say, if if if, if it is pulled off, um, and I just can't imagine that you know the, the safe thing to do would just be make it conservative, mm. and I just can't imagine, particularly upstairs. And he also said to me that he wants to make the ground floor, so the all-day dining area, 
um, at the same level, if not slightly higher than Dabu. So it's not like they're going to do mm. fish and chips or, <laughs> you know, steak pies or whatever. It's... Does it not have... I don't know if you are being cynical about it, which is, of course, feels like if that was somebody doing that, the equivalent in L.A., they'd be like, oh, this is ambitious, and it'd be celebrated and lauded because it's not, you know, vespertine silly or whatever. It's more just, like, ambition and money, so it sort of gets celebrated, whereas, you know, English in London, it's going to get back off, you know, going to raise you, give it the sign or whatever. But the... But, that was the wanker sign. Yeah. The, 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 but the... Um, but potentially... This could, I mean, you know, Ollie or whatever, so, and the people who have spoken to the people involved. But also, potentially, it's sexy fish, just with a chef who has done something interesting in the past. You know, or, it, or it's Nobu, you know, it's. Hmm, I think. I, I mean, I'm not saying it would be, but, <clears throat> you know, you could see why potentially this is. Well, that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's going to be as expensive as sexy fish. And right. I think that was one of the reasons why that was, you know. Slammed or the thing is, like, Sexy Fish is like one of the most successful restaurants in London. Like, the, the other thing to remember about Mayfair is it's it's immune to yeah, yeah. the the musings of you know the likes of us a lot to an extent, to, and yeah. e- you know even to the critics. Well, tell that to Inyaki Azpatate or how you pronounce the name, <clears throat> the Chabonet, which lasted twenty minutes. Didn't that it? was yeah, that, that was, was weird. That was for yeah reasons that will not be discussed. I don't think that was anything to do with the actual restaurant. Right. I think that was background stuff. But... I mean, I'm not saying that's what it would be. I'm just no, saying, you I know, just you know on paper you can see why people would be cynical about it. You know, you're not not even you're not even going and I'm going to... You know, even what you said, oh, oh, the downstairs isn't going to be accessible, it's still going to be debut. It's like, well, you know, that's still... You can see how it gets people's backs up. Well, yeah. Potentially. I agree. I'm sorry. I mean, I don't. I don't uh, yeah, I, he certainly wouldn't say that it was going to be not accessible. He just. He, I think he was trying to make the point that this is. We're not. We, you know, we're not going to let our sort of guard down anywhere in this place. This is. It's all going to be of a certain standard. I mean, whether or not it will be, who knows? But um, I think the, the reason it will be, you know, like you say, big money, Mayfair. Um, it's always going to get. You know, cynicism is always going to be applied to it. And there's, there's touches, you know, like the fact that they're, um, you know, every single place setting has been designed so that there's no light that will cast a shadow over your photo and your yeah. food. There's a phone charge of every single place setting. There are touches that are like hyper looks. Yeah. And, you know, it, they've, they've taken into account mirrors in the toilets for selfies and all sorts of stuff. You know, it's like it's, yeah. it's a restaurant of its time in that sense. Yeah. Um, but... I'm interested to. I'm just interested to see how the how the food is and how it, how it works as a space. You know, it's 200 staff. It's it's fucking massive. Um, Crikey! Well, I'm sorry to say. I sure. want to do an all day. We'll do breakfast on the ground floor, yeah. uh, lunch, tasting menu upstairs, then finishing the bar. All right. Well, and we'll record it all. Okay, but we're going to turn up in my 1997 Yaris. Yeah. Which I drive into the garage on the top floor. Yes. Yeah, that is deal. All right. Well, no, it's not. It's a lift. It's a car lift. Yeah, yeah. Car lift up into the thing. Oh right. Yeah. Well, 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 yeah. I mean, you should definitely protect your anonymity. Yeah, I'm going 97 Yaris. Yaris. All right. Uh, Thank you very much, Adam. Adam. Much appreciated. Thank you. See you next time, Uh, you and listeners. We'll see you next time too when we have who we got. 
Don't know yet. Someone cool. Yeah. Oh no, it's up in the air at the moment, isn't it? It's up in the air, but it's going to be someone sensationally fascinating. Bye. Goodbye. Goodbye.